Welcome to State of the State, the monthly roundup of policy and research for the state of Michigan, brought to you by the Institute of Public Policy and Social Research at Michigan State University and our friends here at WKAR Studios. I'm Arnold Weinfeld, Associate Director for the Institute. I'm joined by co-hosts, Institute Director Dr. Mac Grossman and MSU Economist Dr. Charlie Ballard. We'll be joined by our guest, Dr. Siddharth Chandra, a professor in the Department of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at MSU. Dr. Chandra is also a professor of economics in James Madison College and director of the Asian Studies Center. We'll be discussing his latest work on pandemic reemergence and comparing the 1918 pandemic with our current situation. Dr. Chandra, tell us a little bit about your work. Um, well, so um, the main theme of the most recent paper that we published uh, on the 1918 influenza pandemic is that um, the pandemic actually took, probably took two years to unfold in Michigan. Um, and it consisted of four waves of what epidemiologists call excess mortality. The first wave occurred in uh, March of 1918. It was a relatively mild wave and everybody thought by about April that we were done with it. Unfortunately, um, it revisited us, the, the influenza in October, 1918. Um, uh, with a massive wave of excess mortality that was brought under control very briefly. Um, but then uh, we had another wave in December and January of 1918 and 1919. And then when that subsided and everybody thought they were finally done with the pandemic, um, the largest wave of all um, visited Michigan in February 1920. Um, so, so that's really uh, the, main, uh, the main message of, of the research is pandemics uh, like the 1918 influenza pandemic can actually take a long time to work their way through populations. And of course, this was uh, during a time when we did not have vaccines. So um, was a large part of the public health uh, safety around uh, social gathering, limiting social gatherings and maskings, and how did that all play a role? Well, uh, probably the most uh, uh, well-known um, move that was made by our legislature, actually not by our legislature, by the governor. So the governor at the time was Albert Sleeper, and he imposed a ban on public gatherings in October, uh, in the third week of October, 1918, in response to that massive second wave that was visiting Michigan. And when we look at cases um, and deaths from influenza during the weeks of 1918, October and November 1918, we see that um, the measures actually brought the wave under control. So the number of cases fell quite rapidly, um, and so did the number of deaths. Unfortunately, three weeks after he imposed the ban on public gatherings, um, partly due to pressure from the business community and economic interests, he relaxed the ban. And uh, uh, unfortunately, that coincided with the Thanksgiving and then the Christmas holiday when a lot of people get together. And so we had yet another wave. Um, so, you know, there, there are some very interesting parallels between what happened in 1918 and what we're seeing in, in Michigan uh, today. For example, the three-week um, uh, social distancing orders that the governor put into place uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I did. You're right, it's very similar patterns uh, with or without a vaccine, not just uh, to note here in Michigan, but certainly even, even around the world. 
And, and what do you see as the implications? You know, we were just talking about economic pressures uh, that are underlying um, uh, the economy uh, moving out of the pandemic. Uh, and, and so how do you see the, the economy moving forward in this kind of an up and down? I mean, I was reading the other day where, where folks, you know, it's, it's gonna be summertime soon. And uh, many people are being afforded an opportunity to, to get the shot. And our drug companies are saying that they're gonna be producing even more of the vaccine. And uh, what do you see in terms of the pent up uh, social demand, I think, of uh, individuals, you know, across the country and across the world as the summertime is almost upon us uh, having an impact? Um, so, so I'll preface what I'm gonna say by, by going back to what Charlie said a little bit earlier. Um, and, and um, you know, what he said is there, there's probably going to be, there probably already has been a bifurcation uh, between haves and have-nots during the pandemic. Um, but, you know, for, for those, and it is the majority of the working population who have managed to continue to work because the kind of work that they do um, has not been uh, heavily disrupted by the pandemic. For them, we're going to see, you know, there's, there's a lot of pent-up demand. And I think as, as soon as the vaccines start reaching uh, large segments of the population and the economy opens up, we're going to see, um, I think, a spike in demand for travel and recreation-related uh, sectors of the economy. Uh, uh, we were discussing the, the other day that, you know, things like exercise equipment for, for the home, uh, you know, orders for those kinds of goods have already spiked as people reallocate their income away from, you know, what they would do under normal times, under normal circumstances, into these more sort of COVID-friendly, uh, 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 if you will, activities. So, so I, I do see, in addition to the stimulus that's coming our way from the, the federal government, I think there's going to be a little added shot of stimulus uh, in, in the form of consumer expenditure in the coming months as, as people, um, you know, as the, as, as the economy opens up and people start getting out. So what, what do you take as the lessons for, for today? I mean, one reading might be, We've never been able to, to keep it on uh, lockdown or, or changed our activities for a long period. And we're sort of destined to see these spikes later on. Another might be that, uh, you know, that we should, we should take a more long-term approach. What, what, how do you see it? Um, you know, fr from, the, from the health standpoint, so, so, so let me put a hypothetical um, situation on, on the table, right? What if we were able to, and this is completely unrealistic, right now, given the state of technology. But what if we were able to more rapidly develop vaccines, right, and test them and roll them out? Um, uh, you know, what would that do? I think that is an area that, you know, we should really look into. Um, you know, we've, you know, through the National Institutes of Health and other types of, you know, health research organizations, we've made phenomenal advances in medicine over the past 100 years. And I, I think looking into whether there are ways in which vaccines can be uh, developed and rolled out more rapidly, and maybe there are and maybe there aren't, I think that is a very uh, interesting direction in which we should think about going. Uh, certainly, these vaccines were uh, developed uh, in, in record speed, uh, and that's, that's the, uh, the very good news. Uh, not so good news that the beginning of the rollout of the vaccine was very bumpy uh, from the middle of December to well into January. Just uh, there were lots of glitches in the system, lots of 
organizational problems, but it, it, it certainly appears that that pace of vaccination has, uh, has picked up a lot. And that's, uh, well, I'll give you a, a personal anecdote. I got my second Pfizer dose yesterday, so I'm well on the way to uh, being pretty well protected from this thing. And, uh, and uh, echoing what was just said, I think I'm going to be traveling more in, in the coming months than I was able to for, for the last year. Uh, may I add to that, uh, Charlie, a- another response to Matt's question, and that is, you know, the importance of history, right? We were taught a lesson in 1918. We had this pandemic. It was a viral pandemic. There was no cure for it. And in fact, at that time, there was not even a hope for a vaccine. We could have learned from it. Um, we could have put measures into place based on what happened then to prevent a number of things that have happened to us this time around from happening. Um, unfortunately, and, and some very well-known epidemiologists have called the 1918 influenza pandemic the forgotten pandemic. Unfortunately, we forgot about the pandemic, right? Pandemics are going to keep coming. There are going to be new viruses in the future. Some of them are going to be respiratory in nature. They're going to cause the kinds of problems that the 1918 influenza pandemic caused, that the COVID-19 pandemic is causing. We're going to see these come again. Let's not forget this time. So what might some of those uh, have been or could be, Dr. Chandra? Well, so, so I'm actually going back to the point that Charlie made about vaccine rollout, right? You know, what went wrong there? Why has the U.S. lost 500,000 lives? Uh, what are the kinds of things we are doing that we shouldn't be doing? I, I personally think, and, and some of this is cultural, right? I think that the emphasis on, on personal liberty and freedom is very important. Right? And it's something we really cherish and value in, in our society. But I think there are times um, when we need to be cognizant that um, you know, individual actions have consequences for other people uh, that can be far more detrimental to them than they might be to ourselves. And we really do need, at, in times of crisis like this, to be a lot more considerate for other people than I think a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of people have been. And that's certainly my concern, I think, with the summer months coming up here. Um, you know, we might uh, be able to speed up uh, the vaccination process. Um, and it's possible that, uh, I, I mean, I'm hopeful that President Biden is correct, that at, at some point this summer we'll have had vaccinated uh, nearly the entire population. Uh, I'm hopeful. I can't say that I'm confident, but I am hopeful. And as these summer months uh, and warmer weather comes, whether people are vaccinated or not, whether they choose to get the vaccine or not, things are going to open up one way or the other. Governor Whitmer the other day noted that uh, there are some less uh, restrictions on on the way. Um, I I just think uh, at this point in time, uh, human nature is uh, going to play a much larger role Um, whether you want to call it cultural in terms of uh, freedoms and and liberties or just human nature. Uh, You know, a lot of us have been working from home for a year now. Um, As you noted, some of us have have had to uh, continue to work even even during the pandemic. So I'll be very, very interested to see what happens during these uh, upcoming spring and summer months. Then as we get back into the fall, are we going to have another spike? keep reading it almost every day about new mutations. There was one uh, in the paper yesterday, in the news yesterday, about one specific to New York. 
uh, that uh, might actually um, uh, uh, itself um, be, uh, uh, you know, be so-called immune to uh, the, the vaccine. So I'm going to be very interested to see what happens. I know that uh, I'm going to continue personally to be wary and hope at some point in time this spring or summer, I'm able to get the shot myself. Um, if I may follow up, uh, Arnold, on what you said, um, the jury is still out on whether that 1920 wave of excess deaths was caused by the same pathogen that, or the same virus that caused the 1918 deaths, right? Um, was it a totally different virus? Was it a mutated version of the 1918 virus? Or was it the same virus? So, so the point you make is a, is a very important one. Um, you know, we don't know what's coming. There's a possibility that the virus may mutate and cause another wave of excess mortality uh, because it has defenses against the, the vaccines that we're rolling out. Um, definitely an, an important point and another possible lesson from the 1918 pandemic. We've had in our lifetime uh, HIV, which uh, HIV AIDS, which has killed tens of millions worldwide, especially in parts of Africa, although it did it more slowly. And then we've had, uh, SARS, MERS, Zika, Ebola. So it shouldn't come as a big surprise that we have had this contagion. The one thing that made this one worse was that the um, COVID-19 is uh, a combination of asymptomatic transmission and, and virulence that has uh, made it hard to, to tamp down. Uh, Dr. Chandra, how would you compare the, this uh, virus with the one of a century ago? Is, is it similar in the degree of uh, virulence? Is it worse or, or not as bad? You know, so, so there again, the, the science is not sort of very precise, right? You get different estimates of virulence depending on the population that the virus is circulating in, climatic conditions, nutritional, genetic, all kinds of other factors. But I think generally speaking, it seems to have a lot of the features in terms of, uh, you know, what we call reproduction number. So the, the number of cases that will be caused by one case, right? In a population that is, has been hitherto unexposed to the virus. So it has a lot of the features of the 1918 virus. Um, I did want to add, Charlie, to what you said earlier, that in addition to all those other pandemics that you talked about, we actually had an influenza pandemic as recently as 2009, and that was caused by an H1N1 virus, which was a descendant of the virus that caused the 1918 influenza, right? So, um, so there are pandemics, you know, it could very well be that this corona uh, virus, this version of it, has descendants in the future that emerge that, that cause pandemics as well. Well, very... Uh... Very interesting work, Dr. Chandra. I think, uh, you know, always looking at history gives us a clue to the future. Um, and uh, you note, uh, I think with some precision that we're going to see additional pandemics. Charlie, you noted uh, others that have been upon us and Ebola has again reared its ugly head um, in Western Africa. And um, if uh, those of us uh, that have never uh, experienced an Ebola outbreak, which most of the world has not, yeah, far, far worse virus and disease than what we're experiencing now. So I think, Dr. Chandra, you're absolutely right. We have to take this moment in time and prepare ourselves 
uh, for future outbreaks. Any other thoughts you'd like to leave us with? I think the message of the importance of history is probably the most important. Um, you know, we will have pandemics like this in the future and whatever we can learn from COVID-19 and influenza 1918, uh, we should pick up. I, I would like to make a, a pitch for, you know, more research on vaccine development. It seems like if there is a silver bullet in all of this, it is the development of vaccines. There may be things that we aren't yet thinking about that could potentially speed up those processes. If we can invest in finding out how we might be able to do that, I think that could yield a lot of benefit, both in terms of health and in terms of the economy in the future. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Chandra, and for your work. Matt and Charlie, any, uh, any final thoughts? Well, I'll, I'll just echo in maybe a, a more controversial way a few things that we've been saying, which is that we do have some good news. Um, you know, we are making progress. The vaccine story is amazing. Uh, and some of it came from, you know, some institutions that, that we normally have some skepticism about. Uh, big government has been very uh, useful. Uh, big corporations, including uh, research entities and pharmaceutical companies, uh, and big science and universities and research, um, all uh, funded uh, with uh, tax dollars, ha have been uh, extremely influential in solving helping to solve not only this crisis, but the, the others that, uh, that Charlie mentioned. And at least in the next couple of months, it's still important, even though we're making very rapid progress with vaccination, uh, still really important for people to, uh, to wear their mask, practice social distancing. We're not out of the woods yet. Well, uh, thank you, Charlie and Matt, as always, uh, and uh, Dr. Chandra. Uh, that's all the time we have on this edition of State of the State. My thanks again to Russ White and the folks at WKAR for the support of this program. Join us again next month on State of the State.